Hello, everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. The topic for today's Risk Roundup is security-centric risk management framework. The cyberspace has brought complex, chaotic, and challenging time for each nation, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short, referred to as NDIOA. Cyberspace can be related to a neural network of a human brain that runs through all the components of a nation, enabling them to connect, communicate, collaborate, and function. Managing the security risk of this complex digital neural network is vital for each and every nation and its, all its components. As cyberspace is deeply embedded across each component of a nation, the crowded interconnections has caught nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia off guard. These interconnections and interdependencies raise an important question on whether our current risk management framework, tools, technologies, and processes are effective in managing the security risk of the cyberspace. To discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Kelly Dempsey from National Institute of Standards and Technology, in short referred to as NIST, uh, NIST. Welcome to Risk Roundup, Kelly. We are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Wonderful. Uh, so Kelly, the computer code, the connected computers and the ecosystem that make the cyberspace brings complex challenges as I discussed in the introduction and complexities to everyone and everything from geospace to cyberspace to space. This tectonic shift on the nature of risk brought on by the cyberspace is creating complex challenges for every entity within and across every NGIOA. Due to cyberspace, the nature of risk have evolved in not only cyberspace, but also in geospace as well as space. What would you tell to our global viewers and listeners as to the complexity of risk they are facing today due to cyberspace? Yeah, so it is very complex, but I think the we have to not get intimidated by the complexity. So regardless of how complex things are, I think it's important that we understand assess and respond to risk. And, and so we just need to eat the elephant one bite at a time. And so I think uh, breaking things up into smaller chunks might make it easier. And uh, that way people can move forward uh, rather than letting themselves get overwhelmed by the complexity. So break things up, find ways to, to take it one bit at a time and, um, and, and, and just move forward from there. Yes, yes, I, I hear you, and it's a good point that you make there. Now, when the computer code and connected computers blur the line between geospace, cyberspace, and space, how can any entity within and across any NGIOA manage their risk effectively while bringing security and sustainability to their initiatives? So um, there's, you know, there's no silver bullet or easy button. A lot of people are looking for you know, various automated tools and things like that. But, you know, hard work and, and understanding what you're dealing with is, is, is the only thing that's going to help. So organizations have to get the right stakeholders and the right subject matter experts in the room and just do the best they can to determine what their risks are and what the appropriate responses are. And this does provide a numerous guidance publications on risk management and risk assessment, uh, as well as some implementation guidance for various technologies and security, uh, security processes that, that are there to help people. Yes, good information, Kelly. Thank you for that. Now, it is getting clear that for managing cyberspace and cybersecurity risk requires not only integration of cyberspace to geospace and space, 
but also requires a fine balance of cooperation and collaboration between within and across NGIOA and from their people, processes, proficiency, and prudence. What are your thoughts and observations about this? Well, I'm personally a big proponent of, of information sharing and collaboration, but uh, many times we, we find that nations, industry sectors, et cetera, they're reluctant to share because um, they, they don't want to reveal their weaknesses. So uh, there's, there's a, I think, unfortunately, there's a, a real lack of trust out there. So that's something that needs to be overcome. So Kelly, when you talk about weaknesses, are these weaknesses about the risk management framework or processes or what, what are we talking here? Well, weaknesses that they find in there. Um, so as far as sharing and collaborating, you know, the, um, you know, industry or nations might be reluctant to share what they found as far as threats and, and vulnerabilities because they don't want other competitors or nations to find out um, what, where they might be weak. And so when they share information, that might be revealed. I see. So it's competition because of the competition, they don't want to share the information. Right. Or because they are the, they even feel, you know, competition or another nation or whatever that there could be, that that could just bring additional threats to right. them. Right, right, right. No, I understand that. Now, today's NGIOA largely operates in silo. I mean, each and we see that across industries, across sectors, across nations. Uh, that they operate as individual and independent entities uh, and uh, silo NGIO operations of isolation age that are in existence today across nations in a digital global age have little or no understanding of how they are interconnected to each other to how they are interdependent on each other nor do they understand how they affect each other within and across nations. Now the silo existence of NGIO ignores its internal as well as external interconnectedness and interdependencies. This collective ignorance denies nations a fundamental ability to understand how each individual risk as well as decision of each individual entity impacts them all within and across nations. This is a critical risk facing nations today in a digital global age. What are your thoughts and observations on this? Well, I think understanding and managing risk across all sectors of a nation is that's going to be a pretty difficult task. And um, as I noted in the previous question, you know, a lot of times organizations are reluctant to share that information, which makes every which makes it more difficult. So, but I, I think it'd be nice if nationally and internationally we could work to build trust and find ways to share threat information as well as information about connectedness and interdependencies, but it might be a bit naive to expect much progress in this area. And, you know, it's also a leadership problem. Um, and there is a reluctance, I think, by some in leadership to admit there's a problem because it seems so overwhelming. So they take the head in the sand approach and, and hope nothing happens, you know, to their organization. And, and I think that that's a big problem too. Yes, that is a big problem. And I hope that uh, we have decision makers and we have people in right places who understands the criticality of this, you know, risk that we are facing in the cyberspace as well as geospace and uh, can work together, collaborate and, you know, come up with some sensible uh, frameworks and decisions that could help us manage the risk. But now, as you as we are talking, the developing a culture of risk awareness also is very critical and essential to the success of nations in a digital global age. Establishing integrated NGIO risk management framework 
is i think the way to build risk conscious culture in society because we want to integrate each component of a nation and we want to integrate the, all of their you know risk management processes and framework so that we have a unified collective way of you know identifying uh, communicating managing and you know uh, risk uh, whether irrespective of whether it's a cyberspace or geospace now nations currently lack i mean we have so many different frameworks we have information security framework we have security framework we have enterprise risk management framework we have all kinds of risk management framework but we lack an integrated and risk governance framework where all components of a nation work together at all levels local national or global and lack of this integrated risk governance framework denies nations much needed collective knowledge structure procedures tools clear roles and responsibilities accountability that can effectively help them identify integrated ngio risk that means integrated nations risk and help manage their integrated challenges so how can organizations like nist deal with such challenges and you know help their you know respective nations uh, you know manage this well you know it's again it's a really difficult challenge nist is a non-regulatory agency so um no uh certainly within the united states no no one uh, is obligated uh, really other than the federal government itself to to use our guidance so um but we do provide all of our guidance free of charge and, and no copyright restrictions so it's out there for people to use if they um if they don't uh, have the money to pay for other frameworks they ours is free and we all do also promote interoperable automated assessment tools and we provide outreach in the form of training and presentations on risk management processes and you know um and when people of course come to us for advice we offer it we do actually get a lot of um uh, uh international delegations coming over and speaking to us about risk so we're open to to you know any type of collaboration or uh, advice giving that that anyone asks us for but you know we we're not out there um marketing ourselves per se being a federal agency so but when pe if people come to us we're um we're always available and willing to help yes yes now i understand that and i appreciate the information but see this is the challenge kelly i feel that you know because nobody is obligated to use that framework or they are not obligated to identify and report and communicate all these you know risk we do have a challenge because uh, there is no incentive for many entities across sectors and industries that could that will you know make them think that no this is something i need to do that is something you know i have to implement a proper risk management framework so that we can identify risk properly so that is a challenge and i hope that the you know decision makers across nations you know think about the nature of the challenge that we are facing that by just saying you know that uh, private public partnerships work together that you know people will be willing to collaborate and cooperate and identify and work together to manage the risk facing their nation is probably a wishful thinking so but anyway that is something that is beyond our capabilities but we do need to, we do need to acknowledge that to understand that so, uh while many uh, and there is another important point that kelly i would like to discuss with you is that while many organizations are actively focusing on financial risk legal compliance risk and operational risk 
the much focus on strategic security risk, which consists almost 70% of the overall risk portfolio is non-existent. Understanding the strategic security risk, to me, it, because of the changing global fundamentals and rapid technological changes and rapid changes in service models, global competitions, and lack of effective governance is a vital necessity for every nation. And I think we we somehow lack that. What are NIST effort towards the education and awareness of strategic security risk? Well, um, I wouldn't say the focus on security risk is non-existent, but there's definitely plenty of room for improvement. Uh, myself and Dr. Ross do quite a bit of outreach on risk management, again, to just about any entity that requested um, U.S. federal organizations, state governments, academic institutions, industry, and occasionally even internationally. And we also do manage that outreach program. And we conduct information security workshops conducted at small businesses. And we also manage a, the NICE initiative, which was is the National Initiative for Cyber Security Education. And that does promote information security education and awareness at all education levels. So they're starting even in, uh, in uh, primary school. Uh, reaching out to uh, students and trying to educate them about the importance of security and awareness and things like that. So, and then they take it all the way up through uh, the college level and into, you know, uh, uh, the workforce. That is certainly good to know. And that is a good initiative, definitely, to start the, you know, from elementary school. Mm -hmm. There is this awareness that is, uh, that is very welcoming. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Kelly. Now, we, we know that there is no such thing as secure anymore because of the complexities of challenges that we face. Security is rapidly becoming a complex challenge for each and every component of a nation, each and every NGIOA. Cyberspace is fundamentally changing the definition and meaning of security across nations and incorporate that into geospace and space and the complex security challenges hit the roof. How do we define security in a digital global scale? Well, I think we have to go back to risk management. As we know, we can't ever reduce risk to zero. And so we have to continually try to understand what our risks are and, and try to manage our risks uh, by making risk response decisions that are commensurate with the impact of loss and the likelihood of that loss occurring for whatever information we're trying to protect. And making decisions uh, based on risk assessment helps us implement countermeasures that, that are again commensurate with that risk. So we get the protection we need without wasting resources by overprotecting. And I think that's really the key to good security. Yes, no, definitely that is the key. But we also, I think uh, there is also a need to understand that uh, security, especially risk group, we define security as the state of industries and business systems and infrastructure, innovation and technology, governance models and governments, products and services, intellectual property and trade secrets, people and processes, survival and sustainability, education and academia, um, research and development, regulations, compliance, robotics, artificial intelligence, communication, all these different things free from danger or threat of cyberspace. So I think it's important for everyone to understand that, you know, what would you consider security security? Is it only the security of the computers or security of the network? It is not just that, it, the security is much more than that because you have to secure, you have to make sure that all your intellectual property, all your trade secrets, all your blueprints, 
everything is secure. So security is definition is changing. It is much more complex and much more broad and widened. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we we have to raise awareness. We have to create you know a dialogue about that. We have to raise awareness so that people understand that security is uh, the definition of security is changing and it is much more complex and much more broader than what we were you know thinking security before. But now let's go to another point that security concept, as you know, I just described in the definition that is currently being subjected to big changes in respect to its aim, capabilities, sources, connectivity and the dimension of threats. In the new era of cyberspace, the security threat has no visible front border or armies. Amidst that the challenge for each decision maker across nation is to determine what security risk they face in the cyberspace independently and you know, collectively and how much uncertainty they are exposed to and forced to accept as they strive to survive, sustain, grow, develop and advance. The current uncertainty broadened by the cyberspace and the digital global economy presents both security risk as well as strategic opportunity to each component of a nation with the potential to erode or enhance nation's value independently and collectively. How do we deal with such complex uncertainty? Well, you know, when we try to assess and manage information security risk, we're, we are almost always dealing with qualitative information. So there's always going to be some degree of subjectivity and uncertainty and it's usually not possible to resolve that uncertainty so we have to try to build knowledge of uncertainty itself into the risk assessment process uh, by documenting where in the process we didn't have the quantitative uh, information where we had to make assumptions uh, etc so that we can at least remain aware uh, of, of where within our risk management programs that we have that uncertainty and those are going to be areas to keep a closer eye on with ongoing monitoring. And so, again, all we can really do is be aware of the uncertainty and where it exists and, and keep a closer eye on that. No, certainly. I mean, that is the beginning. That is the starting point. But it also seems to me that uh, looking at all these different aspects, there is a need for security risk management framework, which mm -hmm. can incorporate all these different you know, criteria and uh, points that we are talking about that will provide a new understanding of security, a new approach to security, key security risk principles and concepts, a common security risk language, a clear security uh, direction and guidance, that is an ability to identify and integrate security risk in cyberspace, geospace, and space. What are your thoughts? Because I mean, like we talked before, that there are so many different kinds of risk management frameworks, but there is not a framework that is specifically focusing on security risk management that incorporates cyberspace, geospace, and space, and all the components of a nation. We need a framework like that. What are your thoughts on that, Kelly? Well, you know, I actually have to say, and I really do believe that uh, that the holistic NIST risk management framework process does provide those things across all of those spaces because um, it can be applied to any type of technology or system um, at any level. It has that flexibility. And so um, especially when coupled with the new security engineering guidance in the form of Special Pub 800-160, um, that guidance is very focused on looking at risk and integrating protections into systems. And again, systems at any level that are for any type of uh, environment, um, looking and getting those uh, protections baked in as they're developed from the earliest point in the system development life cycle. So, I mean, I think again, 
there, there are frameworks out there, including this risk management framework, that, that can be applied, uh, that are flexible enough to be applied in, in all of those different areas. No, there are certainly many different frameworks like that, Kelly, but the challenge is that there are too many of them. Each nation has each nation has their own framework. Right. The public, you know, not only the government, but also the private corporations have their own frameworks. So, I mean, how do you collectively, you know, identify information from that? How do you uh, collectively communicate that, you know, these are the different risks we are coming across and, uh, you know, that could be impacting you? That Those things are not there. For NST framework is there. I have, you know, gone through the information. But the, the and they, it's a very good start, Kelly, no doubt about that. But the, there are key challenges here that how do you, it's, it clearly guides the public and private needs to work together. But by just mm -hmm. saying that, they're not going to work together. We need to provide some kind of structure, some kind of, you know, mandatory guidelines that these, not only guidelines, mandatory structure that would require each and every entity within a, you know, nation to follow that. There needs to be some kind of incentives. There needs to be some kind of structure and communication structure that if any entity finds certain kind of risk, then if that is something that is not manageable by them, if it's going to, you know, impact other sectors within that industry or if it's going to impact the nation, then they it is it is mandatory that they, you know, report that, that, you know, they take it up to the channel so that communication channel so that it, it there is a room for effectively managing those risks. So the, that kind of structure, I don't see in that. And those are the serious gaps. I mean, this, I agree to your point that NIST framework is there, but there are some clear, you know, risk facing that framework because of the way the structure is. If we manage those risks, how to implement uh, effective uh, risk management framework that incorporates the security of the cyberspace, geospace, and space collectively across in this, across each of the component of a nation, then we could make it effective. So there are there is still, I think, a lot of work that needs to be done as far as the NIST framework goes. But, uh, you know, again, this is the start. And, you know, uh, I'm sure that, you know, everyone is... Uh, uh, acknowledging the need for uh, further, you know, advances and further development in that. So uh, hopefully we'll see some, you know, positive developments in the coming months and years. But let's go to, uh, I mean, we have already talked about how to define, uh, how to, how the nature of the security, how the definition of security is changing. So what, according to you, Kelly, how would you define security or how would NIST define security in a digital global age? Well, without uh, sounding like a broken record, I, I think security in any age, you know, it, it has to be about risk management. And so whatever the definition of security is, actually securing our information, it has to be about risk management. And But where we really need work is in the threat space and trying to understand or know or at least somewhat accurately predict where threats are coming from, what the motivations are of, of the, the threat itself or the attackers and and how well resourced the potential attackers are. And then we have to try to respond to that risk accordingly by either accepting it, um, but continuing to monitor it or by introducing new or strengthened countermeasures. And, and that's how you know, we can provide uh, the best security we can uh, across the board. 
Yes, I hear you on that, Carrie. So the underlying premise of a need for security-centric, irrespective of whether it's cybersecurity risk management framework or a security-centric, you know, integrated cyberspace, geospace, space risk management framework, is that in the interconnected and interdependent digital global age, no entity within any nation can effectively manage their security risk independently. Even if an entity manages its private security risk independently, the interconnected and interdependent risk facing them will undermine the isolated and independent risk management effort and program and make the entity vulnerable to catastrophic events. Do you agree to such premise? Um, I do think that's true to, to some extent. Um, NIST has tried to encourage, again, we're not a regulatory agency, so all we can do is Yes. is encourage and you know try but anyway we have tried to encourage more robust communications efforts uh, between entities but again there's that reluctance to share information and lack of trust um but in the u.s we do have sector specific information sharing groups called information sharing and analysis centers and so that organizations uh, of any kind within a given sector can share information with others in, in the same sector who might have uh, similar threats, similar operating environments, uh, things along those lines. So there are these ISAC groups for things that this isn't an exhaustive list, but uh, groups like real estate organizations, there's a state ISAC, there's health organizations ISAC, communications organizations ISACs, financial services ISAC, so, and there's and many more. And so they're out there um, for, for, again, groups in those areas that, again, would probably have similar threats similar operating environments so that they can at least maybe be sharing information about their threats and their risk and, and what they're doing about it uh, with each other. In, and um, also from the U.S. perspective, we do have the U.S. CERT, which is the Computer Emergency Readiness Team. And that does, uh, the CERT people look at risk across the board. Um, they aren't, they don't provide security necessarily, but they're working to make entities aware of threats and and what can be done about it so being aware of course is half the battle if you know what's coming at you you can be prepared and and uh, and by the way the main page of the u.s cert website states that they do exchange critical cybersecurity information with trusted partners around the world so you know i don't know to what extent that that is happening but that is what they state on their on their web page so it's probably a good idea for people and they have a lot of resources also for people, U.S. CERT is run by uh, Department of Homeland Security, so um, people can go and take a look at that mm -hmm. and take a look at the um, ISAC groups. But uh, yeah, it, but these are just ways we can try to better share information and and try to all get better at that. Sure. No, thank you for sharing that information, Kelly. I'm sure our global viewers and uh, listeners will appreciate all the different, you know, information that you provided. And I'm sure they will check out and see how they can effectively use that information for their benefit. So uh, coming to the next point, there is a growing concern that there are many nations. Uh, I mean, apart from this frameworks that we talked about, there is a growing concern that there are many nations that seem to be too weak or to fail to be able to provide their own components within their you know, nation, uh, the necessary security in the cyberspace. Moreover, most nations with their current governance model are far from being ideal providers of cybersecurity. Now, technology and threats are forever intricately linked now, just like people and processes. So how do we manage our interconnected security risk, you know, when there are so many nation states that are almost like failed states and very weak uh, as far as, you know, security 
guidelines or security infrastructure or security you know processes and framework goes so how right you well you know like we can only control what we can control and so um and so just like with any other type of security risk or any type of risk at all um, we need to try to determine what our risk factors are you know what and those risk factors are the threats vulnerabilities likelihoods and impacts um that lead us to a qualitative determination of risk and of course when we're talking about other countries that or, or even other um uh, in, people in industry or, or whatever that, that aren't doing as good a job as they could on their end then then that's a risk factor that's a threat we have to consider that interconnectedness itself is a threat to us and so that's something we have to consider when we do our risk assessment and then we try to determine the appropriate risk response you know what can we do to mitigate the risk of that interconnectedness with these other people or entities that aren't managing security as well as they could or should and um, what can we do about that or again do we just have to accept that risk in order to operate in today's world mm -hmm. and and again and just keep an eye on it and try to you know try to work with the other nations or, or you know what what can you do right then right. <laughs> you can only control what you can control right right now i hear you kelly now we we have uh, talked about this that you know there are many different risk management frameworks and there are many different uh, across nations uh, and we, even within a nation, there are many different risk management frameworks. But for the benefit of our, of our global viewers and listeners, can we talk? Can you highlight some of the risk management frameworks that are used today to manage cybersecurity risk? Mm -hmm. I think. Um, well, you know, I can't speak for for very many nations or or what they're using specifically, but I do know that many. I know for sure that many or several at least are using the NIST risk management framework, and many more are using the ISO twenty seven thousand series for risk management and and i think those are the two you know most used ones that are not homegrown and then some may also be using the cobit it governance framework and that uh, touches on information security and risk but is really more focused on supporting business goals and some may also be using the new nist cybersecurity framework um, but the cybersecurity framework which is is very good and useful but it's a meta framework and it's really dependent on most uh, more focused frameworks like uh, the ISO or the COVID or the or the NIST RMF. So, yes. um, but those are the primary ones I think that that nations are using um, that aren't homegrown. Right, right. No, I, I uh, hear you on that. Now, uh, I mean, we have talked about the challenges uh, of having too many different frameworks, as well as the challenges of having too many different approaches and too many uh, different processes that are independently and individually, you know, managed to with the hope to man get you know achieve security. But to me, as we talked before, that to me it seems that there is a requirement for a framework that expands on all available frameworks and provides an effective unified one single you know security centric risk management framework that provides each and every nation and all its components a forward looking way to identify and manage independent as well as interdependent risk at the same time it provides brings integrity neutrality and a collective approach to managing uh, security risk and is non-partisan because risk management is not about any political ideology or partisanship. So it should be non-partisan, neutral, and objective focus on managing global, national, and local risk. And in addition, it should also reverse the focus from transferring risk to 
preventing risk or mitigating risk or managing risk there are some risks we'll be able to prevent but some most of the risk will be able we just have to manage it effectively where we can um, so we have to there is right now a culture and a focus on transferring risk most of the people they think that you know if there is a insurance policy available let's just you know buy that and you know get away with the you know what we have to do to be accountable for managing our risk so we have to reverse that focus from transferring risk to you know preventing mitigating or managing risk and uh, embed strategic risk again this is a very important point that we have to embed strategic risk as a vital part of the risk management framework because that is the one that has the most impact when you you know actually look at you know the impact that we can get from either financial risk or operational risk or legal risk or strategic risk so that is very important that we embed that and change the approach to an enterprise and makes it more inclusive to today's global reality because enterprises are not located within the geographical boundaries of a nation anymore so we have to redefine the nature the definition of a redefine the enterprise because of the you know way they operate across nations and uh, their geographical boundaries and we have to connect cyberspace risk to geospace risk and space risk because the computer code and uh, you know uh, internet has uh, and connected computers has uh, connected everything cyberspace geospace and space and we have to integrate government risk with industries risk organizations risk and academia's risk to give a comprehensive overview of a nation's risk and we have to integrate nation's risk to give a comprehensive view of global risk so we have to provide and promote proactive approach to managing risk so there are so many different points that uh, we have to ensure that we incorporate all these different factors in the security risk management framework that we we have and we develop and we promote so that you know everyone across nation can adopt that framework and they can you know implement that and effectively manage the security risk within their nations what are your thoughts on that kelly well you know i think that um that is a really good list of of um <laughs> criteria to shoot for but i think it would be difficult uh, to get uh, an accurate picture of risk across all of those sectors across government industry academia these are organizations that all have different missions uh they process um uh you know fill different purposes and and likewise they're going to face different threats so uh, risk tolerance across those organizations would be as different as the risk responses and all that said nist does have the published guidance on risk management at three tiers across an organization the governance tier um the the mission business process tier and of course the information system tier where the focus is strategic integrated security risk management at the governance tier and then moving more towards tactical security risk management as you move down the tiers and so i mean looking again at 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 some of the nist guidance and trying to adapt it uh, for these larger purposes you know is probably going to be a good start but you know getting uh, just you know <laughs> getting uh, agreement across all these organizations it's just it's almost unfortunately it it's almost insurmountable like you said unless there's some overarching yes. uh legal requirement that is going to come down from the lawmakers yes that that is correct i mean it is difficult kelly no doubt about that but it's not impossible and 
if we look at the critical nature of risk that we are facing that each component of our, any nation it is by, i mean we are in united states so we can talk about that but every nation if they look at the nature of risk that is coming to them if they see the you know in what kind of critical impact that would it would bring then i'm sure that they would think about the necessity of this kind of framework it is difficult and it's not impossible but we have to it's one step at a time kelly so right now i right. just have to you know talk about it and create awareness about all these complex challenges so uh, let let's move forward on that with the more moving to cyberspace kelly it is necessary to recognize that while the best defense is a good offense constructing proactive security risk defenses that includes tools technologies and processes rather than passive ones becomes a necessity for survival as well as sustainability in not only cyberspace but also geospace and space what are your thoughts on that kelly well, I agree that organizations should focus uh, on first conducting a solid risk assessment and then continue to monitor their risk over time and then use that information to determine uh, the appropriate countermeasures needed to provide defense in depth. And that defense in depth is going to include management level controls like security policies, operational level controls uh, like, sec and, um, like security processes and plans such as log management plans, contingency plans, a patch management process, and so on. And then also uh, technical level controls like specific configuration settings, intrusion detection prevention tools, uh, things along those lines. So um, I think that that's all you can really do. Yes, yes, no, I, I hear you on that. Now, the fierce mapping of cyberspace has already begun and security breaches have become an actuality of life. I miss that the important question is for each and every nation and each and every decision maker across nations, its government industries, organizations, academia, is that how do we secure cyberspace? What are cybersecurity risks? What is the actual cost of cybersecurity breach to a nation and entities? Because I have been talking to economists and I have been talking to many decision makers across nations. And from what I hear is that, you know, there are serious challenges even in actually get becoming aware or identify that they have been hit, you know, that there has been a cybersecurity breach. So there are many challenges. What are your thoughts on that, Kelly? Well, uh, you know, again, there, there's no easy button. We, we have to work really hard to try to understand what the risks are and employ those appropriate countermeasures uh, that are commensurate with that risk. So I, I can't provide an accurate overarching response to that question, but uh, regarding what are cybersecurity risks, uh, risk, again, is always a function of the four risk factors, threats, vulnerabilities, impacts, and likelihoods. And the threat sources and events faced by the organizations are determined first, then whether or not the organization is vulnerable, and finally, what is the impact uh, if an, a vulnerability to a threat was exploited and how likely is it that that's going to happen. And the risk is then a subjective rating on some qualitative scale, like high, moderate, or low, or one to ten something like that. And risk is going to vary across organizations based on those factors. So for example, some organizations are going to be more vulnerable to certain threats if they don't have strong security processes in place, such as a strong patch management and configuration management process. Uh, they're going to be more vulnerable than an organization that does have good, good processes like that. And also different organizations do face different threats and have different levels of risk tolerance. And as far as the costs, I mean, that, you know, that, can really run the gamut and it's hard to answer that in any meaningful way and um, I certainly don't have that that type of data um, and I'm, I'm not sure who even does but 
you know, it, it's going to, it's really going to, I mean, look at the uh, OPM breach that, that the U.S. government just had. How much is that costing? A lot, you know, and, and, and cost as yet to be undetermined because we still don't know uh, what all the fallout is uh, from that. But I'm quite sure millions have already been spent on notifications, just, just little things like that just yeah. notifications and, and paying for the, the, um, the uh, protection uh, that all the federal employees, you know, that got, that were part of the breach, um, all of that just alone, let alone all the time that's been spent on trying to fix the problem. And, um, and again, we don't know, th those costs are gonna be ongoing because we don't know what's gonna happen. And that, so that's just one example of one breach. Um, you know, so, yes. so trying to pin down the costs, it's just, it could be, you know, it's always going to be significant, I yes. think. Yes, yes. No, you're right. I mean, there, there are a lot of unknowns right now and uh, we still don't have enough information or data or enough, you know, ways or methods or means to be able to calculate effectively, you know, what is going to be the cost of all mm -hmm. that. So, I, I mean, when we, there's also another, you know, uh, point that we need to discuss is that how should entities across nations evaluate and calculate their cybersecurity risk? Because there are a lot of different approaches, a lot of different, you know, ways that people uh, and uh, organizations are, you know, uh, trying to calculate what their cybersecurity risks are. I mean, I would say that, you know, you first identify your assets, you understand your threats, understand your security vulnerability, and that would you know give you an idea of what kind of risk you are facing? But what what would you say about this? Well, well, I agree. I mean, and like we've kind of already been talking about employing some consistent and repeatable risk management process that does include framing risk, determining an appropriate risk management strategy for the organization, and then assessing risk, risk, and determining how to appropriately respond to risk and and monitoring risk over time. I mean, those are the components of a good um, risk management process and that is certainly easier said than done but again uh, we do provide that guidance on risk management risk assessment and risk monitoring that that is a, you know so all the factors are at least organizations can use our free guidance to to get themselves started and and again yeah. it's it's flexible enough and it can be tailored uh, to organizational needs right and right. No, i'm glad that you are emphasizing that it is free for everyone to use that information. So, I mean, when that knowledge is available, when the information and processes and tools are available, I hope that, you know, many people, many organizations across nations are, you know, willing to use that to their benefit and advantage. So I'm glad you shared that information. Now, identifying and understanding cybersecurity risk is one thing and managing it effectively is whole another thing. Cyberspace has brought each and every entity a liability due to the security risk brought uh, to assets in CGS that may or may not belong to them. I mean, is that the big question today is how can any entity within any component of a you know, nation, that is NGIOA, across uh, nations ensure cybersecurity liability individually and collectively because each and every entity faces independent risk that they can manage on their own and interdependent risk that they cannot manage on their own. For example, inter-organizational information systems uh, essentially physically connects firms' IT infrastructure via the internet and exposes the participation participating firm to network-wide security risk and organizations network 
is at risk if a hacker gains access to its partner's network even firms with, without close business relationships may be logically interdependent strategic hackers often evaluate the security level of firms and select their target on the basis of whose systems they can break easily so mm-hmm. these are the interdependent risk we are talking about so how can entities across nations manage both their independent and interdependent risk that is what a critical challenge i find with you know the nist framework or any other framework that i am evaluating at this point that there is no clear way of managing interdependent risk at this point well that that's you know it's like we've talked about you you can't control what you can't control so you can either you 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 have to go back to the need to just understand what your risks are so that interdependency that interconnectedness that is a risk that creates a risk and if you can't control or have some sort of security agreement with the other end or who you're connected with then you know then you have to understand that that is a risk in in and of itself and then with at least having that understanding um organizations can at least monitor those risks and the risk factors associated with that um even if they can't control the root cause of that risk and then perhaps they can put some countermeasures in place on their end to protect their own organizational information and mitigate those risks on on their side and of course um you know that's again understanding what what the risks are of the inter- I mean because because then what are your choices either you disconnect or you you learn to live with the risk or you put some mitigation measures in place you know and i mean if you're interconnected with an entity that you're um doing business with then you might be able to do something like an interconnection security agreement and get some um get some uh, assurance that the other end has done similar measures as you have but when you're just talking about the wide world of web you know and 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 the the internet itself then you know you just have to be aware of what the problems are and and try your best to mitigate those risks i mean no that know, again i'll say again there's no easy button here it's hard work sure no i i hear you on that i mean there is no easy way but i'm sure i mean this is a good start i mean understanding and acknowledging that these are the risk and uh, you know we have to either accept those risk or we have to try to mitigate them uh, those are the different possibilities that we have i mean prevent mitigate prevention mitigation or management but uh, there is a time also that will come that we have to start talking about you know ensuring certain kind of risk or you know we will have to come up with some different models or some different uh, new innovative approaches by which those interdependent risk can be effectively managed we have to think about risk pooling we have to think about a lot of different you know measures that would be you know effective in this kind of situations but again you know that is a topic of discussion for another time so uh, <laughs> let's move forward on uh, probably you know another that entity about the insurance again this is not the nist you know goal the insurance cyber insurance and you are not in the business of uh, cyber insurance so uh, i i'm not sure how much you know uh, weightage you can give on your thoughts and inputs on about cyber insurance but uh, let's let's talk about it briefly and then that when entities evaluate purchasing insurance to specifically protect against losses from risk from cyber crime what is important to understand is whether cyber risk cyber crimes can be managed with cyber insurance i mean this is one way of man- 
that people are talking about that we can manage, you know, uh, cybersecurity risk by, you know, having cyber insurance. Mm -hmm. Does NIST uh, NIST consider cyber insurance as a key tool to managing cybersecurity risk irrespective of their dependencies? So, um, well, NIST does not uh, take a position on cyber insurance. So, um, you know, NIST is under the Department of Commerce and they're in the the, uh, mission of the Department of Commerce is to um, promote you innovation and and um, competitiveness within U.S. companies. So uh, NIST, you know, doesn't take an, a position on on commercial products. So, but I do have personal thoughts on the okay. topic that are okay. mine and mine alone, and do not represent those of NIST. Okay. And you know, and I think that cyber insurance uh, does not reduce security risk, uh, only the resultant financial risk. So it doesn't change your security risk at all. It might reduce your financial risk and the cyber event or incident that you know has still occurred information has still been stolen and an insurance payout doesn't change that you know and what if the company's proprietary design documents are stolen uh, uh, will the payout from the insurance cover ongoing losses caused by a competitor having that information or if customer information is stolen will the insurance payout repair the trust and loss of confidence of customers um, and, and for government organizations, insurance isn't an option anyway. So I think there may be a tendency to think, uh, if I have insurance, I don't need to worry about putting countermeasures in place. Um, and that might especially be a factor in small businesses. And this is, of course, completely incorrect. And in fact, many cyber insurance policies won't pay out anything if the organization has not done any uh, security due diligence. So I think there's a danger of a false sense of security uh, with, with cyber insurance. Yes, I hear your uh, point about false sense of security and uh, uh, we'll just have to wait and see whether insurance industry will play a role to drive effective security risk management change in the cyberspace because I I personally feel that uh, uh, insurance community, insurance industry can play a very big role as far as the cybersecurity risk you know goes because you know they could enforce, they could mandate any organization that wants to buy, you know, say cybersecurity policy from them that, okay, you need to implement effective risk management processes. You need to implement effective risk management tools and framework. If you do that, then you will be, ent- and if you manage the independent risk that your organization manage, can effectively manage on their own. If you do that, then, you know, you are entitled to purchase a cybersecurity policy for the interdependent risk that your organization faces. So I feel that cyber insurance industry can play a very big role as far as cybersecurity risk management framework goes or security-centric risk management framework goes. But again, you know, that is something uh, we'll have to see in the coming months and years, you know, how the insurance industry uh, frames their response about the cybersecurity risk and uh, we'll, you know, have uh, plenty to discuss at that point. But I will give you uh, your last word, your final thoughts about uh, all this. On cyber insurance, um, yes. well, I, th- I think like I think what you said is correct. It could be possible for the insurance in- industry to drive effective security risk management by putting out some requirements for some minimums. Um, but I think also there could be problems there, like um, who's going to assess whether or not the the uh, controls or the process that the companies have in place is is sufficient. Um, my concern would be that that wouldn't be evenly applied across the board and um and it and it also allows you know and 
and again, nothing against insurance companies or anything, but you know, it could allow them and you know, an out um, for them to deny claims. And, and so, so those are my two primary concerns. What entity would assess whether or not the insurance required controls and processes are actually effective. And, and again, the, um, you know, insurance companies just sort of finding some excuse from their assessment to not pay a claim. So I, I don't know, I, I don't have any other ideas right off the top of my head, but I'm not, I'm not sure that that, that having insurance drive effective security risk management is, 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 is the best way. I mean, it, it might, it might be a way it might help. It could help. It could help, but then, like you said, you know, we still have to discuss, you know, many different points, many different criteria. Who, which organization will be able to manage all that? Uh, who right. Responsible. So there are many, many different points we have to discuss. But that is a thought that that this industry is there, and mm -hmm. there is a business of insuring risk. But their current, you know, approach is just to transfer risk, and you know. Uh, worry about the financial payout of that, but they could play a much bigger role. How right. insurance industry, you know, before uh, several hundred years when it started, how the insurance industry was accountable in setting standards, that role can they can take back, they can set standards, they could be effective drivers to bring a lot of positive change. So again, that is a topic I would be discussing with some insurance industry executives in the coming uh, weeks. So we'll just have to wait and see what their response is about that. But so uh, across nations, organizations like NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST are working towards establishing frameworks and processes to effectively manage the security risk of the digital global age. The challenge is that this work is done in silo most of the times. While some nations have adopted NIST guidelines and framework, the interdependencies necessitates collaboration and cooperation to develop a security centric risk management framework that is accepted at all levels across nations. Risk groups, cybersecurity risk research center and strategic risk security risk research center are created for this very purpose is to identify, evaluate and manage the risk facing NGIOA in CGS, that is uh, nations, is government, industries, organizations and academia in cyberspace, geospace and space discuss, debate, and define necessary framework, structure, processes, tools, and technologies to manage the security risk of not only the digital global age, but also of the coming technological superconversions. An integrate and coordinate risk management and governance framework at all levels within and across nations for managing security risk facing NGIOA in CGS amidst the rapidly emerging technological superconvergence. So I hope that, you know, with the dialogues like this, we can effectively manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on risk roundups or to watch the risk roundup videos or to hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupalancy.com. And we are also uh, available on iTunes and um, Android platform and, you know, across all the professional networks. Uh, so, you know, uh, make sure that you uh, watch this, you know, wonderful dialogue that we just had with Kelly from uh, Kelly Dempsey from uh, National Institute of Standards and Technology. And I hope that you benefit from that. Kelly, thank you so much for agreeing to come on Risk Roundup and sharing your thoughts and uh, uh, sharing information about what uh, this NIST is doing uh, in uh, their you know effort towards in their goal towards uh, making this world uh, you know secure and making this world a bit safer for you know <laughs> conducting our business in cyberspace so i thank you for that
You're uh, welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate your time. And until next, uh, this that's it today, uh, friends. This is the end of our session today. Uh, until next time, I'm Jayshree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. Uh, see you next time. Thank you.